0: Hello, I'm Michael Timmons, your door-to-door storyteller, and I'd like to give you a story. This story is called The Rescuer, by Christopher Ribold. The guns had been silent for days. Still, the men of the 20th Edelweiss Corps were uneasy. Something was not right. Perhaps the men were responding to the restlessness of the horses, or the absence of birdsong, or to the whimpering of the hounds that paced about camp and sniffed at the air. Now and again the men looked at one another. Then, finding nothing amiss, they returned to their morning routines. The sun was shining, but the mountain air was still cool. Some men drank thick coffee to ward off the chill. Others passed the time by playing cards or throwing dice. A few worked to remove the mud from their boots, hoping to slow the inevitable rot of the leather. Outside the tents, men ran lit candles along the frayed seams of their uniforms to drive out the lice. Officers made perfunctory inspections of the guns. Clerks inventoried and re-inventoried the munitions and rations. Everyone talked of home and of girls and of warm beds. And real food. Across the valley, the Italian soldiers occupied themselves in much the same way. Moving men, horses, and guns into position here in the South Tyrol had proved extraordinarily difficult, and now that both armies had fortified their positions, neither the Austrians nor the Italians could dislodge the other. Fighting would erupt from time to time but most days consisted of little more than cold, mud, and unending boredom that tore at the men's minds, driving them ever closer to madness. Here in the Southern Alps, when battles were fought, they were fought artillery to artillery. Along the Austrian line, gun emplacements held Krupp and Skopa howitzers that were used to fire shells into the snowbanks high above the Italian troops. On the opposite side of the asanza river the resulting avalanches would bury italian soldiers a hundred at a time during the spring thaw the forward spotters made a game of counting the arms and legs that they could see poking out of the mud as they monitored enemy positions through their field glasses again something made the men uneasy Some primal instinct raised goose flesh on their arms. Their hearts raced, their throats constricted. A wounded soldier sat near the river. He was a young gunner who had been hurt during the last round of fighting. He had been given light duty during his time of convalescence, and he was now drawing water for the horses. He liked the horses, intending to them helped to lift his spirits. This morning, however, the horses whinnied, pawed, and stomped. Their muscles were tight. Their eyes darted around. Their ears swiveled. Two or three times, one or another of the horses started to rear or buck. The behavior of the horses fed the young gunner's own growing sense of foreboding, and he found himself fighting against a rising fear, the source of which... He could not identify. The gunner looked around and found it ironic that he had come to hate such a beautiful place. With its ever snow capped mountains and icy blue rivers, the Trenta Valley should have been a place of inspiration and renewal. At another time, the ridge running high above the tree line would have made for ideal hiking and soul cleansing solitude. At present, however, The realities of war blinded the gunner to the beauty around him. All he could see were the weapons, the unburied bones, and the traumatized men. Not far away, several soldiers assigned to one of the new gas units wandered about in their hooded leather masks. The masks had oversized goggles and metal filters that made the gas men look like giant insects an impression reinforced by their constant use of hand signals. The gunner could hear the gasmen laboring to breathe through their masks, and when they did speak, their voices came out raspy and hollow. Suddenly, there came a distant sound, a sound just at the edge of the young soldier's hearing. Then he felt a slight vibration rising up through his feet. The earth was trying to give warning, but the warning was still too faint. It registered in his mind only as a vague worry and apprehension. An officer arrived. Nearby, a group of soldiers assigned to the gunner's unit rose quickly to greet their superior. The wounded soldier gave an absent-minded salute without really noticing who had come to see them. His attention remained focused on the horses. What was spooking them? What was spooking him? Little did the gunner realize that the General Feldmarshal himself had come to call on his unit. The General Feldmarshal wore the gray-blue field uniform in the Imperial Officer Corps, with its rigid board collar and matching peaked cap. His uniform was crisp, and his mustache was neatly trimmed. The highest-ranking officer in the field the General Feldmarschall, was young for his position, not yet thirty. He was not very tall, but he was fit, and he carried himself with regal bearing. Affable and popular among his men, he had eschewed the comforts of Vienna to serve here on the front line. In his right hand, the General Feldmarschall held the gold rosary that he prayed on several times each day. In his left hand, he carried a basket. The basket was full of rare delicacies from the officer's mess. Kippered herring, candied citron, some not-too-stale brown bread, cheese, wine, and chocolate that he handed out to the grateful men. For the next several minutes, the General Feldmarshal and the Landfair Gunners ate, drank, talked, and laughed. Rumble, rumble, rumble. Everyone heard the sound now, but for a few precious seconds, no one grasped its meaning. Then suddenly, shouts came from just upriver. Someone cried out, Sturzflut! Then a second man yelled, Iberschermank! The wounded gunner turned to look. A flash flood was upon him. He watched in horror as horses and equipment were swept away by a wall of water cascading down the valley. Everywhere, men scrambled to reach higher ground. The young soldier was slowed by his injuries. After a few painful steps, the deluge swept over him. His hand reached out, and he was able to grab hold of a sturdy length of chain that the men sometimes used to help pull themselves over steep and slippery parts of the mountain trail. For a moment, the soldier held on, but the torrent was far too powerful for him to resist. He lost his hold, and soon he found himself tumbling over and over again through the angry rapids. For a terrible minute, the wounded young gunner whirled in darkness He felt sharp bursts of pain as his body was dashed against rocks and debris in the river. The river was fed by glacial runoff, so the water was near freezing, and his limbs quickly went stiff with the numbing effects of hypothermia. The gunner fought to right himself. Once or twice he was able to follow a trail of bubbles to the surface, where he coughed and sputtered and gained a quick breath before the churning water forced him under again. For several minutes, he was violently tossed about by the rushing water. His strength began to fade. The pain turned to numbness, and the panic left him, replaced by a sense of resignation. He stopped fighting against the irresistible force of the flood and decided instead to use his last conscious moments for prayer. He chose a prayer that he had said countless times, though he changed the wording just slightly. He composed himself and offered the following supplication. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for me now, at the hour of my death. The current slowed. The wounded soldier felt a shudder as his feet made contact with the bottom. He opened his eyes. The water was turbid. Disturbed silt and bubbles swirled about his head. But the young gunner thought he saw something shiny in the water. A quick flash. The glint of gold. Something small and metallic brushed against his face. Then again, the sparkle of gold caught his eye. The wounded soldier tried to make sense of what he was seeing, to connect these images to something in his memory. Suddenly, he realized that he was looking at tiny gold beads, and behind them, a gold crucifix trailing in the current. The wounded soldier felt himself turned over on his back. His head was lifted out of the water. An arm wrapped around his side. A man spoke to him. The soldier did not catch the man's words, but his tone was calm and reassuring. Then the man with the golden rosary pushed off at of the bottom and kicked through the chest-deep water. He stopped occasionally to catch his breath and to resecure his hold on the wounded gunner. For several harrowing minutes, the man fought against the current and the cold, until finally he managed to bring the wounded young artilleryman to a spot along the riverbank above the level of the flood. There, several men pulled the gunner and his rescuer out of the frigid water onto dry land. The gunner coughed up muddy river water as feeling slowly returned to his hands and feet. His mind began to clear, and he realized that men from his unit were replacing his wet clothing with dry blankets, building a fire, and preparing hot coffee for him to share with the mysterious Good Samaritan. The wall of water moved rapidly down the river. An hour later, the men of the 20th Edelweiss Corps were upriver from the flood. The river was still out of its banks and the current remained strong, but the immediate danger had passed. The young artilleryman sat close to the fire. His breathing had returned to normal, and he was beginning to feel like himself again. As he finished the last of his coffee, a man stepped forward. The gunner looked up to see the man who had saved him. It was the General Feldmarschall himself, Karl von Habsburg Lorraine. The wounded gunner found himself at a loss for words when he realized that his rescuer was none other than the heir presumptive to the Austrian throne. General Feldmarshal Karl von Habsburg-Lorraine smiled and sat down next to the wounded man. Then he took out his gold rosary and held it up for the soldier to see. He said, Let us offer our prayers and meditations during this mystery as an act of thanksgiving for life. Then the two men recited the prayer that the wounded young soldier had left unfinished. You just listened to The Rescuer by Christopher Reibold, read to you by your door-to-door storyteller, Michael Timmons. Thank you for listening. Used by We Are One Body Audio Theater, with the permission of the licensor, granted under a copyrighted license agreement. A production of We Are One Body Audio Theater.